Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's be seated. It's good to be in the house of God together. You can turn to the book of James. We are in a sermon series through the book of James coming to a close pretty soon. We just have a couple weeks left. In the fall, we will start uh, August 16th. We will start a sermon series on the book of Revelation that will last through the fall. I know, ooh, it'll be a good one. And so uh, that's coming up. Uh, some cool things coming up as well. August 16th, when we hope to start that series, we're also going to hope, and you could quote me, but this is all, it's all relative now. You know, announcements and, and taking, having to take things back and say, oh, actually, it's going to be different. The hope right now, which right now you can quote me on, is that we will launch a kids ministry on August 16th. So yes, praise the Lord. But that's, you could quote me now, but maybe not next week. We'll see what happens. We're in a series on the book of James. It's called Walk This Way. Has nothing to do with the classic rock song by the Aerosmith, but it has everything to do with walking out our faith, these different topics that James takes us through. And today we're going to talk about, are you ready? Money. We're going to talk about money. Why? Because we love to meddle. I, as a pastor, love to meddle in your money. That's what I love to do. I love to talk about money. I'm just kidding. I'm being very funny for those of you that are new. We, as Christians, we have this bad reputation sometimes of like, oh, the church, you know, every time I see a church or I go to church, all they want is money. That, that's the perception. And, and that's not the case. I think what James is calling us to do here and what he's calling me to do, all of us to do, is to share. He's calling us to share. A very simple message. Let me address the kids, some kids back there. Kids, uh, there's kids downstairs. My four boys are downstairs. Hopefully you're listening. If you're watching online and you're a kid, good job, kids, for sharing. As a kid, like this is one of the key lessons we learn as a kid, right? We share. You walk into a room and one kid is holding all the toys and all the other kids are crying and this kid's just walking around. <laughs> I got all the toys. What would you do? As a te- if you're a teacher, you're a parent, you're just an adult that walks in on the scene, you'd say, hey, little boy with all the toys, why don't you share? There's these other kids. They're crying. They have nothing. And usually kids, good job. You do this, you share. It's a hard lesson, but we learn it as kids. And sometimes this lesson, I just feel like it's, it, we, the kids go through this all the time. And us adults, there's no one telling us to share. So we walk around with all our stuff. Look at all the stuff. Look at me. And there's people in need and no one ever calls us out on it. And if, if they did, we as adults, we've kind of learned, well, you know, this is, this is my stuff. I earned this stuff. Uh, If I started giving away to everybody, I would have nothing. You know, if I gave it away and someone got hurt, well, there's liability. I don't have, I don't want my insurance premiums to go up. And so I'm just going to have this stuff, right? Right? Like we as adults, we need to learn the lesson of sharing. And so here is James calling us out. He's going to talk to the rich people. And so today I have a classic Pastor Joe three point sermon, as many of my sermons are. It's going to be a warning to the rich. It's going to be uh, talking about how the poor are blessed and special. And then the third one is going to be a movement to the communion table, which we will invite everyone to partake in the communion table. If we humble ourselves, we are all called to humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will invite us to the table. So this message is for us 
It's for everyone in here. James is going to address the rich, and I'm going to try to make a point. I have a, a little stand-up routine that I'm, I'm going to enact in a couple of minutes uh, of why I think we are all rich, even though none of us would admit it if I said, and I won't do this because it would be weird and embarrassing, but if I said, is anyone rich in here? Raise your hand. I highly doubt everyone would kind of just like, this is an awkward question. And we would all say like, well, you know, I might be richer than some, but I know of people who are richer, right? Every one of us would say, well, I know, you know, I'm not rich and famous and, and powerful. I know those people. And then if you were to get around those people, they would probably say the same thing. Well, you know, I, I might be richer than some, but I know some people who are really rich and those people are the wealthy ones. And it seems as though no one ever admits that they are rich, but we are rich. We live in America in 2020. Compared to the ancient world, I'll talk about this in a minute, we are rich. We are who James is talking to. Compared to the rest of the world in 2020 right now, we are rich. And so if you would, would you stand with me? I'm going to read uh, six verses here in the book of James. And these are hard words to hear, especially knowing that, that we are whom James is talking to and talking about. James says this, listen, he gets our attention. You rich people weep and wail because of the coming misery uh, that is coming upon you. Verse two, your wealth has rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify to, uh, against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. James is, is, is giving it to us right now. He's, he's telling us, he's reminding us that our earthly possessions uh, are, are not forever. Like the, the common preacher joke is that no one gets to go to their own funeral with a U-Haul bringing all their stuff. We, we enter this world with nothing and we will leave with nothing. Even gold and silver will eventually corrode. Verse four says this, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty, that we have done wrong. Um, the, this ancient world to whom James is specifically writing seems as though they, they were wealthy landowners and they, they, didn't give, they didn't pay the people who worked their fields. And their wages are crying out and the Lord Almighty hears it. Finally, verse 5, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. He's borrowing language from the ancient prophets and saying, uh, we, you, you think you have it all together. Verse 6 says, you have condemned and murdered even innocent men who are not opposing you. Some people say this is, this is what happens if you don't pay the workmen their wage and their daily wage and they needed that money well, then it might have ended up into famine and they could have died because they didn't have that daily wage. This is a hard word of the Lord, but it is the word of the Lord. And everyone said, thanks be to God. Let's stay standing as we pray. Lord, before you, we, we hear this passage and it's, it's a hard one. It's a servant of God writing to fellow servants of God who are wealthy. And Lord, would you convict us this morning? Lord, would you let us be thankful for what we have, be faithful with what we have, and call us into a radical life of selflessness, a radical life of sharing and giving. Though we invite you into the space of our money, Lord, that you might do your will, that your will be done and your kingdom come. Though we pray this all in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted, Amen, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. 
Three points this morning. The first one, the second one, and the third one are all quotes from the Bible. This one comes from James chapter 1. So point number one is this. If you're taking notes, write it down. The rich should take pride in their low position. The rich should take pride in their low position? Yes, the rich should take pride in their low position. You see, when we have money, when we have things and show off our status, like even like social media, it's like, what's your status? Update your status. Like who you are. Well, you, you put your best foot forward. You, sh- you show off your wealth. And, and somehow that, that elevates you. Like, oh, I have things together. I'm better than so-and-so because I have this or I make this amount. And it just kind of elevates you. Whereas James is saying, you know what? In the kingdom of God, it's all, you know, the wealthy the poor, it's, it's a spiritual thing. This earthly wealth will rot away and it will corrode. This is a quote right out of James chapter 1 that the rich should actually take pride in their low position. And it seems as though James is addressing those Christians. He's addressing us in the church. At other places, he talks about people outside the church. But I think we could assume that James is addressing Christians because um, he starts off the whole book and says, uh, a servant of God and Lord Jesus Christ, to those spread out, the fellow believers spread out amongst the 12 tribes all over the world. He's writing to the church and saying, the rich in the church, you've done some pretty horrible things. You're not sharing. It seems as though in the first century, there was severe famine going on in Jerusalem. Things were rough. Things were bad. And the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. I think of us as in the United States as being rich, especially uh, in 2020 compared to the ancient world. Like we can't imagine poverty in the ancient world. We have to admit at some point that we are rich. And if you've ever traveled outside of the United States, anybody travel outside to, uh, oh, wow, let's look around real quick. Look at all the hands. That's, that's wonderful. If you've ever been outside, and especially to countries that are third world countries or very poor countries, you just know, everyone that raised your hand, if you have been to one of these countries and seen true slums, you know how well we have it. So I'm going to make an argument. I have some stats here. But first, my comedy routine. This goes, it's kind of echoing. And <laughs> this isn't going to be funny at all now that I've built it up. Uh, you know, remember the, back in the 90s, you might be a redneck if, you know, the blah, blah, blah. You might be a redneck. Well, this is, you might be rich. So if you got up this morning and it was still dark out and going to the bathroom did not require putting on shoes or getting a flashlight, you might be rich. If you had uh, oatmeal this morning to cook your oatmeal. It did not require going out to get sticks and make a fire. You might be rich. If you uh, had to finish the old box of cereal before wanting to try the new box of cereal, that's your biggest problem this morning. You actually might be rich. If, uh, if you went to the clothes rack and you realized I have too many clothes and not enough hangers, oh, what a problem. You might be rich if you pedaled this morning. You biked any point this morning or uh, this week, and you pedaled and pedaled for 30 minutes or an hour, and you didn't leave your garage. You might be rich. All right, that's the routine. That's it. I'll spare you from any other jokes. Thank you. Thank you. You've been great. Managers Briggs, good night, everybody. Good, great crowd. Oh, gosh. Um, here's some stats. So, 
in Colorado, uh, the, the poverty line for uh, uh, salary is $16,000. If you make less, $16,000 or less in Colorado, according to, I think this is 2018, so it's a little outdated, it's probably a little more now, uh, you are at the poverty line for, for one person. Uh, but in the world, if you look at the world um, outside of Colorado, outside of the United States, if you make $15,000 a year or more, you're actually in the wealthiest 20% of the world. So what we call in Colorado poverty, below poverty, the world calls top 20th wealthiest people, 20% wealthiest people in the world. If you add up, here's another stat. This is the 10%. You were in the 10% top of the world. If you add up all that you have, your, your retirement fund, your cars, if you own a house, the percentage of the house the, that you own, uh, your pots and pans and vehicles and clothes and TVs, if you add up all your stuff and your net wealth is about $100,000 or more, you are in the top 10% of wealthiest people in the world right now. And if you make, um, the, the average in Colorado is 63, in Colorado Springs, $63,000 of salary is the average salary in Colorado Springs, according to, uh, I think, last year's poll or thing, whatever, how they figured that out. Um, but if you earn less than that, if you just earn 50000 or more, uh, well, then you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the earth right now. Is that hard for you to believe? It's hard for me to believe because I, I look at my life and I was like, well, I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich. There's, there's always other people who are richer than me. But if you zoom out just, and, and then we're not even talking about the poverty in the ancient world, we are rich. We should be grateful. My point here is we should actually take pride in our low position in, in such a way that I think like when, when someone very respectable like gets an award, they, they get on stage and they, they often have this beautiful speech prepared. And it usually begins with, I'm so humbled. I'm honored and I'm humbled because I got this award because I'm so thankful. And they'll thank their spouse. They'll thank the people that help them. They'll thank the, the crew. They'll thank the team. And they go on and on about the other people because they are humbled because they have been blessed to now receive this award. I think in the same way, we should come to our understanding of wealth by being blessed and being humbled and honored at the same time, taking pride in our low position, knowing that this world will pass away. Point number two is this. So a three-point sermon. Point one was about the rich taking pride in their humble position, their low position. Point two is this, that the, the blessed are the poor. Once again, this is another quote straight out of the Bible, a quote from Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. Um, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. And he goes on to talk about the poor in spirit. And he talks about wealth. He talks about the meek. But blessed are the poor. James here is calling out the rich. And at a minimum, this passage is, is calling us out for not sharing, not being a blessing when we could have been. And at worst, this passage at its depth is James calling out people who have actually used their wealth to exploit those under them, to exploit the poor. Here, James is a good pastor with a rod and a staff. He's like a good mama bear overlooking his congregation and the poor of this world saying, there's a situation going on right now 
where the rich have not even paid. Like something was going on, the market has fallen out, the, the, the farming, whatever was happening in the first century, I'm not exactly sure. But James in chapter 5, verse 4, we read it. It says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields. Like you own all this land. It was harvest time. They came in and they harvest, they mowed. They are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And this word, uh, Lord Almighty, two words in the Greek. And so as soon as we get to the Greek, we got to do a nerd alert. Nerd alert. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, For those of you new, I apologize. That's just a weird thing we do. Um, The Greek here is Kyrios or Yahweh, the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. What is a host? Well, a host is an army of angels. The Lord of angel armies has heard the cry of these poor harvesters who worked and worked and worked all harvest season expecting daily bread, expecting wages, and they have not been paid anything because the rich are exploiting them and the God of angel armies has seen this. You better watch out. We as the rich need to be very careful how we treat those below us. I think about people in our society, people in jails, the physically handicapped, people with mental health issues, those who are sick, those who are hurting, those who are addicted. These are the people we as Christians are called to go above and beyond and share, to be a blessing, to lift up people that we can, to review the people that are blessed in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, are the ones who are blessed leads us right into this third point as we wrap up this sermon, that God has chosen the poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. This is once again a quote right out of Scripture. This comes from earlier in the book of James, where he keeps, like, he keeps talking a little bit here, a little bit there about the rich, and now he's fully developing this thought to talk specifically to the rich. James 2.5 is the God that God has chosen the poor, the poor in the eyes of the world, to actually be rich in faith. I remember my first time to a foreign country, my first time to a mission trip, maybe not my first time to a foreign country, but my first time seeing like extreme poverty. We went to Guatemala. It was my second year of college. Uh, it, was a, it was a team of a bunch of college students and then older adults and then some even kids came. It was a great like range of, of a mission trip. We got on a plane. We went to Guatemala City on like day two. We got on a little van. We went to the slums outside of Guatemala City and our hearts just melted. Like we saw poverty, houses made out of cardboard boxes as far as you could see, tarps, tents, as far as you could see, poverty. We went to this little church. We went to the church and there was no speaker system, no lighting system. There was a light bulb for the church. It was kind of like a dark like shack out of a tin roof. And it was probably 120 degrees in there. No air conditioning. Uh, we go in, dirt floors, and people are worshiping and singing their hearts out. And we look around. It's like, wow, there's, there's so much poverty here. Literally, like we, someone brought in a chicken. Like, it's like, it's like squawking. And we're like, why is this dude bringing in a chicken? And we realized, oh, that's the time. There was like an offering. And the offering that this guy had, he didn't have cash. He had a chicken. And so he brought in like a chicken to the front. And, and like it kind of ran off. And somebody else grabbed him and put him away. And it was just like, wow, the... That is very different than my experience 
of church. And after we'd seen that, after we kind of spent the day there, we get back on our van and we're hand sanitizing our hands and we're doing our thing and, and we're just all kind of broken like the poverty we had seen. That was my first time seeing it. Many other people's first time seeing that kind of poverty. And we began praying for these poor people. It was like, Lord, bless these poor people. And our missionary contact, the guy that was taking us around, was driving the bus. And he was just listening to our hearts break for these people. And he said, can I pray a prayer as well over us? And this prayer, it wasn't like a, it was, it was a beautiful prayer. It wasn't a poking prayer that was like meant to, you know, poke at us. But it was a prayer for us. Like, Lord, we are the ones who are actually poor in spirit. Here we are, rich Americans coming to a place saying, oh, look at these poor people. When they are so rich in faith, he wanted to pray over us. And it was this very beautiful, weird feeling where we saw the poor in the eyes of the world actually blessed. And it was us who were spiritually um, uh, just hungry and poor ourselves. It was a beautiful prayer. It's, I'm going to say it like this, it's a spiritual advantage to be poor. It's a spiritual disadvantage to be rich. James puts it like this. I think I, I summarized it well. James 2.5 says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, I'll say it again, the point, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith, to inherit the kingdom he promised for those who love him? Thinking about this verse, um, it's, you know, we might say, if we're rich, we have some sort of spiritual advantage. Like if I, um, you know, have plenty of quick food, well, then my meals don't take long. Then I could spend more time in prayer. I could spend more time reading my Bible. If I have automatic things and, and coffee machines and laundry and this and that or servants in the ancient world, well, then I don't have to worry myself about this. I could concentrate on more spiritual things and I could become more spiritually fit. But I think what James is getting out is that somehow this luxury and, and life of indulgence makes us not more spiritually fit. It makes us spiritually fat. Like somehow in the eyes of the world that, that we can, the rich and poor in this world, it's actually reversed in the kingdom of God. It's an upside down kingdom where the poor are actually those who are more spiritually blessed. I'll ask this question. Is it wrong to be rich? Is it, is it wrong to have? Well, there's plenty of people in the Bible who have. Zacchaeus in the New Testament, very wealthy. But he makes a statement after he gets saved that if I've wronged anyone, I will give them four times what I owed. Joseph of Arimathea, a very rich individual in the New Testament. What does he do? Well, he has a grave he owns, and he gives it to Jesus. He shares. In the Old Testament, the patriarchs, Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, very rich. They owned wealth. They had property, they had animals, they had servants and maid servants and servants to their servants. Like these were very wealthy individuals. I think of Joseph, the second wealthiest person in all of Egypt. Well, what did he do? Well, with this gift of prophecy and dreams, he hoards all this stuff during the great times, the seven years of plenty, so that Egypt then blesses the entire world with what they have. And so people come to Egypt during famine in order to share and in order to give. I think about in our day and age, like I know of people personally who live on 10%. They, they, they take their salary and they live on 10 and they give away 90%. They call it a reverse tithe. It's, wow, are you serious? Like they live frugally in order to give generously. 
I know of people at the beginning of the COVID flu pandemic when we were quarantined, people were getting let go, people were getting fired. Someone came to one of the pastors uh, at church, uh, New Life Church, and handed him a stack of checks, and it had the amount written in and a signature, and it just left a bunch of blanks to whom it was written to and said, Pastor, when you hear about people losing their jobs, don't, don't even let them come to the church and ask for money. Just give them, write their name and give them one of these checks. It was beautiful. I heard the story. It's like, wow, that's awesome. What a beautiful story of people just willing to give. Like here we are in uncertain times. Like you remember in March, like things were like, we had no idea what was happening. The world was falling out underneath us, it seemed. And here's people rushing in. It's like, I'll be a blessing. We as New Life Church have given away six tons. Is that right, Lance? About six tons of food or more. Like people brought in toilet paper and food and canned goods and non-perishable, and we received it, and then we gave it out around our city, delivering it uh, 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 like the pantries, like in Manager Springs, Nueva Vida. We gave away so much. It was beautiful to see. I know a business owner uh, at New Life years ago became a believer, radically changed. I don't know that there is any other way other than a radical conversion to Christ. But he was in a business, not illegal, but just kind of a business that takes people at their lowest and kind of takes advantage of them, takes the the little bit of money they have. And he was just like, I'm done with this. I realize that what I'm doing with my life is actually hurting people at their lowest rather than helping them. So he kind of dismantled the business, sold parts of it, and gave away the money to uh, an organization that helps poor people. Like this is the kind of thing that we are called to, that we as a church, we, we tithe. We give because it's an act of worship. We give until it feels like worship. I heard a phrase, we give until it feels like receiving. Like this is the way we are to live, that we admit however rich we are, whether we think we're rich or not, we are, we are. We admit that we are poor in spirit, that we admit that these earthly things that we have are just that. They're earthly things. They will pass away. We don't get to go to our funeral with a bunch of stuff. We came into this world with nothing. We will leave it with nothing. Lord, help us. Lord, help us realize that when we come to him, we admit that we are actually poor. We admit that we're in deficiency when it comes to our spiritual lives. So if you would, would you stand with me? I'm going to lead us through a prayer, and then we're going to receive communion together. You can get uh, in the baskets there. There's elements of uh, the cup and the bread. They're kind of put together is how we're doing it now. Um, But I want to lead us into a thought. I want to lead us into um, a reflection that we need the Lord. And I want to open this communion table as we always do. You don't need to be a member of New Life Church. You need to admit that we are in need of the Lord. That's kind of the requirement. We are in need of Jesus and that we believe that he will cover over us with his body and blood, that we can receive him, that we come before him with nothing, that we come before him needing his redeeming power. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, Son of God, we pray to you and say, Lord, have mercy on us. We recognize that we're spiritually deficient before you, that we come to your table. Not, we don't come with wealth. We don't come with uh, ourselves and pride and boasting, but Lord, we come to you humbly. And Lord, you welcome us in. You welcome in the stranger. You welcome in those who don't have. And Lord, we're so grateful. So grateful to you that, that Lord, you wash over us of our sin. 
that we come before you with nothing humble. And Lord, you give us of yourself, your body and your blood. So Lord, we take a minute with our own words. Lord, we just confess. We confess that we have failed. We confess that we have sinned and we're, we're often not right before you. But Lord, you make us right. So Lord, we humble ourselves before you. And in quiet, we, we reflect that you are our God. We are not. And we need you, Lord.